Welcome back to another edition of the Standing Room Only Podcast. I am Ben Standing, and I cover the Washington football team for The Athletic. Excited to be back with you guys. Hope everyone had a good weekend. I'm talking to you on Sunday, early evening. The Masters final round is still going on, but doesn't seem like anything that exciting is going to happen here to, to, to make this thing dramatic. So I thought, all right, let me get to my... Uh, opening remarks and get this podcast on the way on this episode a fun one my longtime fantasy football pal evan silva who started you know, longtime roto world guru started his own site established the run a couple of years ago evan and i got joined forces today to do a combined mock draft we did this before once on his old podcast we did it here again we alternated picks the entire first round shared our thoughts as to why we made the picks that we made. And look, obviously, uh, a lot of people, anybody could in theory do this, but I will note that um, Evan and I have each won in the Huddle Reports National Mock Draft Contest. So it's a, I think it's an interesting exercise to see how two guys who uh, had some success in that w world kind of view these things. It's still a little bit early, of course, relative to the draft, which is April 29th. But Good opportunity to, to share some thoughts, see where we're at right now. And also, Evan and I did talk a little bit about the Washington football team towards the end of the conversation with regards to like sort of the fantasy football mindset there. So a fun conversation. I'll get to all that in just a moment. In addition, I'm going to talk a little bit here in just a second about the quarterback situation, some of the rumors in recent days about Trey Lance. What, what, what do I make of that? I'll get to all that here in just a second. Quick reminder, as always. You can follow my work over on The Athletic. You can follow me on Twitter at Ben Standig. And of course, make sure you subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or anywhere you do your podcasting. If you're an iTunes person, you know the deal. I always greatly appreciate everybody who leaves a review and a rating. Definitely helps a lot. Um, let, let's just jump right in. Obviously, we've talked a bunch about the quarterbacks. I think you guys kind of know my, my stance on this for the most part, which is to say, that with Ryan Fitzpatrick, Kyle Allen, Taylor Heineke on the roster, plus Steven Montez is around, uh, whether he's in a, some sort of a Taysom Hill kind of role, as I reported, or not, um, you know, I think uh, they, they have quarterbacks. I don't think they are desperate to get any for 2021, but there is still a long-term answer, or long-term question, for sure, right? Ryan Fitzpatrick's 38, the other two guys, have not shown that they are, you know, week in, week out starters, although they have started games and had, you know, some relative success, um, you know, at least from the standpoint that they've shown they can play, right? Um, so from that, I, I'm not thinking to myself that they have to draft a quarterback this time. And I've also said, I don't necessarily think that they will. My, the sense I've had and, 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 you know, talking to people around the league and, and, some and, and some others uh will we'll say for you know close to the situation <laughs> um is it barring the unforeseen i don't think washington is taking a quarterback now what does barring the unforeseen mean well obviously that's a wide-ranging comment it could be all kinds of things right it could be that one of these top five quarterbacks who everybody's projecting to go somewhere in the top 10 slips Somehow, the way, you know, Drew Locke slipped a couple of years ago all the way out of the first round, maybe you could say Dwayne Haskins slipped to 15 um, in 2019. If that were to happen and Washington's sitting there, well, that could be considered the unforeseen. Even slipping just outside 
you know, into the teens could be could be the same. And if we get to day two or day three, you know, it's all relative. If sitting there in the third round, there's a quarterback that Washington thinks should have been gone in the top 40 picks. Well, then you react to it just like you would any other position. But there's more complications, obviously, with the quarterback for all kinds of all kinds of reasons. But before we get into more of that specifics, let's just backtrack here a little bit as to what was said the other day. Mike Lombardi, who has been on this podcast, he writes for The Athletic. He's got um, his own podcast. Uh, I believe it's called The GM Shuffle. I hope I had that name right. didn't write it down. Sorry. But he said on this podcast the other day, he talked about the draft. And here's what he said about Washington. Quote, I think Washington is going to be the next team to unload all their picks to try to get a quarterback. I think they love Lance, meaning Trey Lance, the quarterback from North Dakota State. I don't think I know Washington loves Lance. So will they trade up to get Lance? Well, that remains to be seen. Lombardi uh, also said um, that, quote, they're going to wait for the draft. And if Trey Lance starts to slide, they're going to go get his ass. They're going to go get his ass. We're We're going to react to what happens in front of us. He's not lying, meaning Ron Rivera. Uh, oh, sorry. We're going to react to what happened in front of us. Is what is him is Lombardi quoting essentially what Ron Rivera has said, which is true. Um, he's not lying. Rivera is just being totally honest. So what do we make of all this? Uh, it's very possible Washington is in love with Trey Lance. A lot of teams like Trey Lance. There's a reason why he's considered to be a top. He could be the third pick in this draft, although Mac Jones from Alabama feels like the likely pick for San Francisco. More on that in a second. Um, Trey Lance could go forward to the Atlanta Falcons, who are in that unusual circumstance of, you know, do you take the quarterback for the future when you have that opportunity? Or do you add some immediate help knowing you have Matt Ryan, who's going to be your quarterback this year and probably the next couple of years? Um, Trey Lance makes a lot of sense for a lot of teams, right? As does Justin Fields, as does any of the five quarterbacks, just because, you know, regardless of how one thinks of them individually, they're all pretty interesting prospects, right? But, and Lombardi does say, you know, what happens if they slide. Again, we'll see what slide is. But Ron Rivera, to this point, has been pretty adamant about the idea, well, on two fronts. He's been pretty adamant about the idea of not forcing the issue, right? He said the other day that he wants, you know, even though it, when they had Cam in Carolina, when they drafted Cam Newton, which was, of course, the first pick in the draft, that that was you drafted the quarterback and then built a team around him. But he also made the point, which is a totally logical one, that it was there's something to be said for building up the team and then finding the quarterback to insert into that situation. Washington with the 19th overall pick, a second round pick and two thirds, you know, that's an opportunity to get draft four players who are not, if not starters, pretty quickly are at least high in the rotation players. And we know Washington has needs at various positions, offensive tackle, linebacker, free safety, backup tight end, right? If they just spent those four picks on those four positions, I don't really, you know, it's really hard to kind of look at Washington's situation and think, boy, they have any obvious holes in the lineup, which is far different than saying they're going to win the Super Bowl. I'm just saying at a base level, you know, that they'd be in a pretty good, uh, a pretty good spot, right? So, and, and then look, you look ahead to next year. I know people are saying, well, the draft doesn't look that great next year. Ah, who knows? 
this year, if I had I had a scout tell me if Zach Wilson, the BYU quarterback who's expected to go second, and Mac Jones didn't, if they had opted out, as many players did, neither one of them would be better than a third round pick this year. Now we're talking about guys who might go second and third in the draft. Last year, Joe Burrow, nobody was predicting Joe Burrow was definitively even a first round pick, let alone the first pick in the draft. But things change. And yes, it's not considered to be a tremendous draft right now. Uh, or sorry, a tremendous draft class right now for 2022, but we'll see. Time will tell. Then there's also the free agent market, right? Or the, the the veteran market, let's just say. We've seen all the movement this year, which is more than normal between Matthew Stafford, Carson Wentz, Jared Goff, Sam Darnold just gets traded. Who knows what happens next year? Now, I, I'm not just saying that broadly. I mean, like the Aaron Rodgers situation with Green Bay is still out there. Russell Wilson with Seattle is out there. Um, you know, who knows what's, what happens? So the, so the idea that Washington has to do something now, I think is false, which is not to say that is what Lombardi was saying. It's just to say, you don't, you know, whether we're talking about the draft or for agency, I don't think you have to force the issue. If they really like Trey Lance, I get it. But I, I, there's been, you know, we've heard a lot of either rumors or I've told you guys that I've heard these things that, about Washington being engaged in the veteran market, right? I mean, I reported that they went, that they made a bit a bold offer for Stafford didn't work out. Rivera has now said as much on on the record. It's been reported that they were in the mix for Jared Goff. I reported that they they were certainly interested in Marcus Mariota. That just didn't ultimately work out. Have we heard anything about these draft picks with them? Like I don't think so. I, I don't think we've heard like some bold rumors about this. Which again isn't to say that that is impossible. It's just to say, you know, I'm just trying to find the consistency here. We just haven't heard these things. Now we have. I guess we can say with Lombardi, but I don't see that, that they would go, that they would make some monster trade. Now, again, he's talking about sliding, not the fourth pick where Atlanta is, which is also sort of the point. We don't even know if Trey Lance will be available when the when we get closer to the 10th pick. But I want to back up to a couple other things here. What's the one thing that we know? If we had to predict anything that's going to happen with the quarterbacks, what's the one thing that we can quasi-predict based on what, what Ron Rivera has told us? He wants a competition. Now, I don't think any of us, hopefully, people who are, who are astute are well aware that Ryan Fitzpatrick is going to be the starting quarterback. It would have to be a major surprise for that not to happen beyond injury, right? Um, you know, not only is he coming in with getting, you know, he's, he's, he's got the, the, the higher salary compared to those two guys for sure by, by a lot, but also... You know, the far more experience, and he's been an actual NFL quarterback, even though he's got the journeyman tag, understandably so. The other two guys, you know, there's not much to their, their resumes, even though we know that Ron Rivera is a big fan of Kyle Allen, and obviously Taylor Heineke did what he did in that playoff game. So let's think about this. If Ron Rivera is saying he wants a competition, even if it is somewhat in name only, right, it's not a real one, but he's that he's going he's gonna to give those guys an opportunity, right? Well, in order for that to happen, you have to give them reps. And but let's remember, Fitzpatrick is going to be new to this team. The other two guys have been around a little Heineke, you know, not a ton, but okay, they at least were around enough. So if you're going to have a competition, and let's just say, for argument's sake, there's only two of those guys. That realistically, you can't have a three-way competition because reps get crazy. So let's just say, for argument's sake, Fitzpatrick and Kyle Allen, that's that's your competition, okay? And by the way, let's not forget, Steven Montez still around, whether it's the Taysom Hill role or not that I reported, um, you know, Rivera has said nice things about Steven Montez, and he could be sort of your, well, we'll see what we get. Let's see what we have here, kind of a guy. But undrafted free agents, you know, rarely become viable NFL uh, players at, at that position. But it's not impossible, obviously. Tony Romo, for example. Um, 
So you've got to have reps with those guys. Let's imagine they draft any quarterback in any round. I mean, especially if it's a day one, day two quarterback. Well, <laughs> even if you say Trey Lance, who most people will tell you needs to sit at least a year, okay? So let's just even say Washington 100% commits that we're going to draft Trey Lance, but we're going to give him a redshirt year. Forget the trade compensation, okay? Well, you still have to give him the reps in practice. Otherwise, what's the point? you got to help build him up. So you're going to have to give him work. Well, how are you doing that with a competition? How are you giving Ryan Fitzpatrick reps, Kyle Allen reps, and another quarterback reps? We just went through this in 2019. Different coaching staff, of course, but, you know, same general idea. Jake Gruden, you heard him say on this podcast, bad idea. Don't do three quarterbacks in camp, uh, you know, that you're trying to sort of get all reps for. I mean, again, no, like, listen, if it was, say, Fitzpatrick, Kyle Allen, and Steven Montez, you'd still want to give Steven Montez some work, but he's going to have to get his somewhere else on the side, more or less, because he's going to be a deeper a deeper cut. You're not spending a first-round pick on a quarterback who you then, in this case, would have traded up a bunch to get. You, you don't, you're, you're not putting the baby quarterback in the corner, okay, to, 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 to play off the dirty dancing line, right? Now, on top of it, by the way, you would either you would also realistically have to get rid of Allen or Heineke. I mean, maybe you don't do it in camp, but like one of those guys is gone, and we you know you've heard me say before, I don't. It doesn't seem. It's not saying it's impossible, but it doesn't seem logical based on how Rivera has liked Kyle Allen and the things he said about him. And you know, Kyle Allen has started a bunch of games in this league at this point. That's not nothing. And Taylor Heineke, they didn't have to go out and re-sign him as quickly as they did. That shows some indication of of interest at a minimum. Um. And then, of course, so I, so to me, if you're going to say as often as Ron Rivera has, he wants competition. Again, even if we sort of understand that competition is not, you know, we'll see how real it is, even if it's just the guys here. But okay, he's going to give the, he's, he's said this now many times. Heineke himself said when he re-signed, he was effectively told that there's going to be some sort of a competition. I wasn't one of those people, as you guys recall, who thought Ron Rivera lost any kind of credibility when after the Dwayne Haskins situation came out involving strippers and just doing, you know, being with people out in public at a point when everybody was really trying to, you know, during the season, trying to, you know, stay COVID safe and all that. I wasn't somebody that thought that Rivera lost any credibility by letting Haskins play. Okay. We talked about this then. I don't need to go through it all, all over again, but bottom line is we all knew Haskins was moving on at the end of the year. He wasn't giving a pass to somebody who was going to be around and therefore a reminder of him giving a pass. Also, he wasn't going to throw out the season for this guy. He thought at that moment that was his best option at quarterback, which was a reasonable thought considering we didn't know anything about Taylor Heineke or Steven Montez really at that moment. I think if Ron Rivera, if they do this and trade up for Trey Lance and they're effectively therefore ending any thought of a competition, because again, you can't realistically give three quarterbacks reps. Well, then I think we have... Um, I wouldn't say he loses credibility, but he becomes a little bit more of an unreliable narrator. One thing that's been really fun about Ron Rivera is he generally speaks some form of truth, relatively speaking, to, um, you know, as much as you can expect from a head coach. By the way, the Masters is now a two-shot situation with three holes to go. So that's interesting. <laughs> uh, uh, I'm going to keep talking for now, but if I pause, we'll, we'll know why. So I just think that that's worth... Noting Now, let's also remember a couple other things. In order for Washington to trade up for Trey Lance, realistically, they would have to either trade up past uh, ahead of the 10th pick because at 10, 11, 12, you have the Cowboys, Giants, and Eagles. Those teams are not trading with Washington 
at all, let alone to get a quarterback. That's not going to happen. Okay. So you'd have to jump ahead of them. So maybe you're looking at the Lions at seven or Carolina at eight. I think if Denver, if there's a quarterback at nine, Denver may take that one. Um, Lions or Panthers could also, but less likely. Um, if, if Trey Lance gets to that point, then obviously a team like New England could also be in play at 15. So just keep that in mind if we're even going to d- d- debate this thing, how high you'd have to go up. Um, you know, if you're trading up to the eight range, right? I mean, you're probably giving up, you're, you're giving up, I'm going to guess, not only the 19th pick, you're probably giving up your first round pick next year. I would say, guess at minimum a, a, a day two pick somewhere as well. Um, so keep that in mind. That's a whole other conversation, whether that's even worth it. I did talk about this the other day with Al Galdi, whether we would trade up. We both just generally said no. You can go and check that out podcast as well. I should also mention that was the one on Friday that I did with coach David Shaw from Stanford, where we talked about, among others, his quarterback, Davis, Davis Mills, who is a day two quarterback, potentially of interest for Washington. Um, a couple other things here. One, okay, Ron Rivera had great experience with a rookie in Cam Newton, the first pick in the draft that year. He had a less great experience last year taking on Dwayne Haskins. Now, he didn't draft Dwayne Haskins, but he took on the young quarterback, right? I mean, do we really think Ron Rivera is going to go through this again immediately after? I mean, Trey Lance, I'm not saying that Trey Lance is Dwayne Haskins, but if we're talking about just general experience, Dwayne Haskins, by virtue of of starting games in, in the Big Ten, has more experience than Trey Lance, who's going to have to take a major jump up from the from the level that, that he played on. And also, he only played one game this season. He's, you know, all his work came in 2019. That's something to keep in mind. I mentioned before the idea of, the 2022 situation, how things could easily change by the time in terms of free agency or the draft, by the time we get, by the time we get there, who's to say what's going to, what's going to be there. So, you know, you you put all that into the equation and I would just maintain my stance. I don't see Washington drafting a quarterback barring the unforeseen. Does the, again, does the unforeseen mean trading up from 19 or a day two? It, it could be, I, I, I can't rule out everything. Of course not. I'm not, I'm not crazy. Anything is possible. And we know Washington needs a long-term answer. That's the bottom line. I just think that they've got enough for now and there's no reason to panic. Ron Rivera has said as much. So we can wait and see. I would be surprised if they traded into the top 10 to take a quarterback. By the way, we should note, I guess, Trey Lance's first pro day. He's going to have a second one coming up soon, apparently. His first pro day was March 10th. Uh, no, sorry, March 12th. And on March 15th, Washington signed Ryan Fitzpatrick on the first day of free agency. Now, while it's possible those two things are connected, um, you know, the 49ers traded, it was after all that that the 49ers traded to get the third pick. We didn't hear anything about Washington being in the mix for that. Maybe they were, but we haven't heard that. But we have heard about other other times they've been aggressive and Ron Rivera's cop to as much. So I don't get the sense that they were in that mix. And if you really love Trey Lance that much, you know, why, why wouldn't you put yourself in that position to go get him if you're if as Lombardi says they're in love with him so much that he imagines they're going to trade a bunch of picks to get him that would be my that would be my quibble there um couple other things here and then we'll get to my conversation with Evan Silva with regards to what happens at three you know I mean I've said before I, I think you know you read the tea leaves and you listen to what people around the league say and it does feel like Mac Jones makes sense there I, from the perspective of what the 49ers will do and and I compared it with somebody the other day to Jay Gruden here with um, Colt McCoy. Um, we all kind of have been fascinated by this idea that Colt McCoy, that Jay Gruden was just so in love with this guy who has 
at best proven to be a backup quarterback, you know, to this point in his career. Um, I think that for Jay Gruden, and he's essentially said as much that he knows he has an idea in his head, what he wants to do as an offensive play caller and that this guy, but he believes will get it done. And I think you, you know, when, when, especially I think on both sides of the ball, but it feels like the offensive guys in particular, you know, the guys who have a plan of a system, who think they know what they're doing. There's a certain, maybe, maybe arrogance is a bit strong, but a certain cockiness, arrogance, belief in themselves that this system will work. And oftentimes, you know, we see that it does. I mean, I'm not saying the Jay Gruden system didn't work. I think it did at times, but you know, they, Washington didn't always have the best personnel. In any event, sometimes you want to just simply have somebody who will do what you want out of the court, or out of the fields, right? And I think that's what he, Jay Gruden views in, in Cole McCoy. And I think on some level, maybe that's what Kyle Shanahan views in uh, Mac Jones. That while Trey Lance and Justin Fields offer greater upside, that they are not necessarily going to be play in, play out, doing what Kyle Shanahan would want. I mean, that's because they have this playmaking ability that they can make plays on the on the move with their legs, which is, you know, and look, I'm not saying Shanahan wouldn't want any of that, but I think that with Mac Jones, who, you know, obviously can make plays in the pocket, had a, had a great year at Alabama, maybe there's something to the idea that, like, Kyle Shanahan knows what he wants, and with this guy, who's a highly rated prospect, He'll, he has a better chance to have his playbook put out onto the into motion through this vessel, as it were. So I would say keep that in mind as well. All right, enough of that. Uh, we'll, we'll talk more about the situation, obviously, this week. And, you know, uh, I've got more fun guests coming up here on the podcast. I don't want to say anything in advance, but I think we've got some good things to keep an eye on. In the meantime, let's get to my conversation with my guy, Evan Silva, uh, we went pick by pick, alternated picks, uh, talked about why we think the, the things that we think. Uh, we, we did spend a little bit of time, extra time on the 19th pick, as you might imagine. So here we go. My conversation with Evan Silva, mock drafting here on the Standard Room Only podcast. All right. Uh, I, I don't always have to feel like I need to do like push-ups and like calisthenics and like bang like th- a ton of extra coffee for every guest. But this one I do because I know the intensity is about to come through the microphone here because joining me on the podcast to talk NFL draft is none other than the great Evan Silva from his site, Establish the Run. Evan, my man, how are we doing? Ben Standig, uh, it's good. to we're, we're starting to make this an annual thing. Uh, the, um, the, the dueling mock drafts. I've got my first mock draft. It's not up on the site yet, uh, but it'll be up uh, by Monday. I'm sure you've already probably got a, a couple of them, uh, a couple of them in the, in the bag. Um, but this, this will be my first one. Uh, I know that your accuracy track record is matches up with any, with anybody uh, on the report. I'm coming off a real bad year. I had a bad year. I had like a really good five-year run. And then I had a, just a horrible year this past uh, in 2020, just with uh, lacking lacking the normal amount of information that, that I rely on the beat writer stuff and um, you know no pro there was no pro day circuit essentially uh, the combine was weird it wasn't you know the the focus I actually went to the combine the focus at the combine wasn't really about the players it was about there was some talk of the virus. They were talking about the CBA. You know, it, it wasn't a, the, a normal combine. Um, so that's what I'm kind of chalking it up to. But now at the Huddle Report, you know, that that score sticks with me. 
for the next five years. Yeah. So, um, you know, well, because one, that's one, how they do it cumulatively <laughs> over the previous half decade. And I'm going to have to be working about against that score for the next five years. <laughs> well, I, one of my best scores is about to fall off. Um, and yeah. Evan is, uh, yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll mention this. I, I, mean, I, I mentioned it occasionally, you know, people are aware to some degree I've had some success with the mock drafts, but yeah, the huddle report is the, is the, is the major site that keeps track of these things. Everybody who, you know, is interested, people who do this, I guess you'd say, I don't say for a living, but yeah, people who professionally do this, even that sounds ridiculous, but you know what I mean? Like people who use in theory should be looking at for these things, hundred people or so give or take, they track. Um, if there's another podcast, that's going to do an NFL mock draft for this year with two people that have won the championship. Good on them. But this one, you have that I've won it twice. Evan's won it once. Uh, so we, we, you know, it is, it, I don't like saying, we're experts because that's such a silly thing because this thing is it's incredibly random all it takes is one you know the butterfly flick is real all that has to happen is you know the the one of these teams high up takes a player that none of us are anticipating and all of a sudden everybody's mocks are crazy and there's a hundred permutations that could happen that all you know, many of them would seem logical but the point with this exercise is we're going to try to give you how we think not only the draft is going but what goes through our heads as we're making these uh, calls before we get to all that though tell, establish the run how's it going um I, I, you know i'm super excited that you guys started this um was it was it last year i lost track of time in this during this pandemic was it last this year was this, pa- this past year 2020 was our second year okay um so yeah we're we're now heading into year three of uh, nfl coverage it's been it's been uh, a game changer for me a life changer and uh great for my daughter and best decision that I ever made. And I also think it's really good for the fantasy industry. We've seen other um, sort of startups uh, pop up and that has provided a lot more jobs in the fantasy industry, uh, a lot more uh, earning potential uh, in, in what is a a billion dollar, you know, exploding industry. Um, And, you know, the content creators never really made very much money. You know, so now they're getting an opportunity to make money. And then, you know, the, at the, the corporations are, are sort of starting to become like the feeders, I think, into the um, into the startups uh, where and so that that creates uh, more opportunities on the back end, like a guy like Hayden Winks, who was uh, writing at Roto World. Uh, now he goes on to the, the startup uh, Underdog Fantasy that creates another opportunity on the back end at Roto World for somebody else to get their foot in the door. Um so I, I love it. I, I, I love my industry. I think it's very, it's very much a meritocracy. It's a merit based. No one gets ahead in the fantasy industry unless you're working your ass off. And um, so I, I, I love that aspect of it. And uh, yeah, I, I hope that it, it continues to trend in this direction. Yeah, man. No, it's super cool. I mean, like I said, just to, you know, I've known Evan since I very briefly did some stuff for Roto World 100 years ago, but Evan obviously was a go-to there forever. And I, I knew him then. And just to see where you came from, you know, a, a guy doing blurbs to now being one of the most established people in the industry is really cool to watch. And that you guys started this site. Uh, super cool as well. All right. Hopefully what's going to be super cool as well is these picks. We're going to alternate picks. I'm going to start with the first pick. We'll just go through each. Uh, we won't. We'll try to be somewhat concise on these picks, and then um, you know we'll we'll maybe have some banter here and there. We've established we're allowed to have one challenge flag per per round. I don't know what that's going to look like yet, but like if somebody makes a pick, you're like, well, hold up, we can uh, throw the challenge flag and have further uh, have further discussion. Um, so no, and also no trades. Though we'll discuss. 
I'm sure if there's a, if it makes sense and the team can logically trade, we'll discuss that. Um, so let me just start right off at the top. The Jacksonville Jaguars. I, I think we've known this pick for, since his freshman year at Clemson. It's going to be Trevor Lawrence. The only issue here, I think, I think the hype on Trevor Lawrence is slightly overrated only in the sense that I don't think scouts view him necessarily as Peyton Manning or Andrew Luck. That said, an incredibly impressive prospect. It's just going to be a, a matter of how well Jacksonville does putting pieces around him and, and, and how Urban Meyer, you know, uh, adjusts to the NFL to see how he succeeds or maybe how quickly he succeeds. But other than that, from the mock draft perspective, with the first pick, in the 2021 draft, the Jaguars will take quarterback Trevor Lawrence from Clemson. And I'm going to stick with the chalk at number two. Zach Wilson out of BYU goes to the Jets. The Jets have been locked in on a quarterback here throughout. They were able to unload Sam Darnold for, I think, compensation that was um, a little bit more than expected, I, I would say. I mean, they got sure. a second and a fourth next year and a sixth this year. Um at one point, I thought it was it was looking kind of bleak for them to maybe even be able to get a third round pick at all. Uh, but they wound up getting giving the equivalent, uh, according to the draft value chart of a second round pick this year. Uh, but they they're they're going to start Zach Wilson day one. Um, and this 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 really starts the, the, the clock on the Joe Douglas tenure, um, because now he's attaching himself to a new head coach in Robert Sali and to a, um, a brand new quarterback in Zach Wilson, who um, has incredible dual threat ability. Uh, and he's like minus a thousand to be the number two overall pick uh, at sports books. So um, I'm, I'm going with the chalk. I think you're, I think you're safe there. I don't personally love the idea of starting him day one, but we'll see. They don't have another veteran option at the moment, realistically to go. So until further notice seems like, all right, number three is where things start to get fun and interesting I think. I mean, when the, the second the 49ers traded up from 12 to three to get this pick, it was like, okay, they're taking a quarterback. Who are they taking? And then immediately the word was out, Matt Jones from Alabama. And then everybody had to, you know, clutch their pearls. Like, what? How is that possible? They're not. How could it not be Justin Fields? How could it not be Trey Lance? How could it be this guy who we weren't even sure was a first round pick a few months back? This is the point of a mock draft is not to do what you think it's to do what you think will happen. And I think based what's going to happen based on what, what, what will you hear out there in the reported in from reports and also from what I've heard on my own, I do believe that the pick is going to be Mac Jones. I think the Trey Lance is the, is the alternative and maybe they talk themselves into switching it around and going for the guy with more upside. It, it, it's a, both quarterbacks are sort of fascinating evaluation periods because of for we'll get to Lance later for Mac Jones. He just hasn't started that many games, but obviously played incredibly well at Alabama, right, wrong, or whatever. I think the pick will be Mac Jones quarterback from Alabama going third to the 49ers. Hey, Adam Schefter, Daniel Jeremiah and Ben Standig are all saying it. <laughs> Take it to the bank. All right. Um, number four overall. And I, I'm not sure that this is the best projection but because it does sound like the Falcons are very interested in trading out, but I think they should take a quarterback. Matt Ryan is in decline. He's 36 years old. You know, the league is trending toward, you know, certainly over the last five years, maybe even arguably the past 10 years toward uh, featuring quarterbacks that can move. And so I'm going to go with Justin Fields here. I think that he's a steal at number four. 
The Falcons can save in 2022 $8 million against the cap by releasing Matt Ryan. In 2023, they could save $28 million by releasing Matt Ryan. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I think that – I think that and Justin Fields is sort of considered to be um, a, a project a little bit, maybe. Um, you know, Ohio State quarterbacks haven't had great success historically. I That's don't true. really I, think that that, that means – I don't think that means a whole lot, um, but yeah, I mean, as you guys know, in, in, in Washington there, but, uh, but I think that Justin Fields is an absolute steal here and, and, and you have a new GM in Terry Fontenot in Atlanta. You have a new head coach in Arthur Smith. Now you have a new quarterback. You're going to start Matt Ryan in 2021 for sure. Uh, but if the season starts to spiral out of control and their win total is only seven games um, at, at sports books, you can you can flip to to Justin Fields in the back half of the season, or if you're doing well, you know, and Matt Ryan has like a bounce back year, sort of like what happened with Aaron Rodgers last year. Then you just roll with with Matt Ryan, uh, you know, and and you save Justin Fields for 2022. Yeah, I mean, when I talked before about the butterfly effect, I think this is exactly that because it, taking Justin Fields, taking a quarterback changes a lot because if I mean if in my world I think I may go the other way and take the somebody to help Matt Ryan now but obviously the logic in taking a quarterback is as you just laid out is evidence but now it does change up the board here going forward so at the fifth pick with the Bengals in the the way I was looking at the world to me the decision was between taking the offensive lineman and Penny Sewell from Oregon considered to be a generational tackle and so on or Jamar Chase, the top wide receiver out of LSU. That to me in my head is the decision at five, the way I look at the world. But now it was what you just did. Kyle Pitts is now sitting here from Florida. And while I personally think if you're building the football team, the offensive lineman makes the most sense here with Joe Burrow to protect him coming off the injury, just how you build a football team. Plus with this draft, you can get receiving talent later, but Kyle Pitts is different in many, in many ways that that's both from a talent standpoint, based on everything you hear and and see, but also the position. Yeah. He's not a tight end in a, maybe the traditional sense, but in the modern sense he is. And to me, I think that does kind of flip the switch. So instead of going offensive line or wide receiver, I am going to go with Kyle Pitts tight end from Florida, figuring the Bengals can get an offensive lineman in round two. So give me Kyle Pitts here going fifth to the Bengals. Yeah, Kyle Pitts is a, is a unicorn. I mean, not only did he win the Mackey Award as the best tight end in college football, he also f- was a finalist for the Bolitnikoff Award as a wide receiver. Um, and we know everything about his, you know, his production and, and, and his, his athleticism and all that. Um, and I, he can actually block too. So awesome, awesome pick there by the Bengals. So we're going to move forward to the Dolphins. I had them taking Kyle Pitts in my mock initially. But now I'm going to go with Jamar Chase. Um, I think that they would prefer Kyle Pitts, but they're going to go with Jamar Chase, who's a true number one wide receiver uh, talent-wise. And, you know, Devontae Parker has been, you know, just hurt too much. I mean, he, he, he has number one wide receiver caliber traits, but he's, just, he's not been reliable physically. Preston Williams took a big step back coming off of his ACL injury last year. And I think that what, what the Dolphins really need to do is put Tua Tagovailoa in position to succeed. They, you know, the, the, the Deshaun Watson trade is just, it's not going to happen. Um, and they're, now they're going all in on Tua. And the best way 
to position him to succeed is to continue to put as many weapons as possible around him. Jamar Chase fits that bill. Hard to argue um, with that call. I had somebody tell me they think Chase is maybe the best player of the whole draft. So, uh, you know, what the fact that he's a wide receiver pushes him down a bit, but getting him at six for uh, for Miami, for where they're at, I think that makes a, a ton of sense. What a deal for Miami to have traded down from three to still probably get the player that most people would have projected them to get if they had stayed at three and get the extra uh, picks from, from the 49ers. Um, all right, number seven, the Detroit Lions. Oh, boy. Um, another butterfly effect pick. I don't really think they're looking at quarterback. I, I get the sense that GM Brad Holmes – wants to see what Jared Goff can continue to do. He he was part of the group that made the decision to take Goff when he was in charge of the draft over uh, with the Rams. Now he's here. He get got, he got Goff. Didn't have to take Goff in the Stafford deal. He did. So I don't, and, and Goff is still young, did quarterback in the Super Bowl. So I don't think they have to take a quarterback. This is an obvious trade down situation though. When you consider that, uh, you know, Trey Lance is still sitting on the board. Um, wide receiver makes a lot of sense we can make all the jokes about the lions taking a wide receiver as well but you've got some options here i don't think offensive lines are biggest need but at the same point i think sewell is just such a good prospect and you know again when you talk about how you build a team i I just think that's the way to go you can get again receiver help in this draft on day two and we've obviously seen teams have a lot of success with day two receivers so uh not going crazy, but I think I'm just going to go for the talent over the need. So I'm going to go Penny Sewell, Oregon tackle, uh, number seven to the Lions. Makes sense to me. I mean, they're a team that's in in rebuild mode too. Um, so I, I totally agree with you on the trade down uh, possibilities there to maybe stockpile draft picks, uh, you know, not only uh, in this draft, but also in, in future drafts. I mean, they, they need a lot of work. Um, so maybe they could get a trade down partner there. Uh, as well. Going on to number eight, the Panthers, I have them going offensive line as well. If you look at their roster, um, well, first of all, they used every single draft pick that they had last year on defense. Um, and then uh, and then if you look at their roster, I mean, they, they're kind of going all in on Sam Darnold. They've announced publicly that they're going to exercise this option in 2020 uh, for 2022, which costs 19 million. So they are, are truly you know, hitching their wagon to Sam Darnold and uh, they have weapons. I mean, they've got Robbie Anderson, they've got uh, DJ Moore. Uh, they went out and they signed David Moore and Dan Arnold uh, to be sort of role-playing pass catchers, Christian McCaffrey back healthy. But if you look at their offensive line, a lot of moving parts there, a lot of question marks. I'm going to go with Rashawn Slater, uh, who some of the better mock drafters in the business, Daniel Jeremiah and Peter Schrager, think might actually go ahead of Penny Sewell, um, which I, I, I found pretty interesting over the last couple of days. But uh, this Slater dude sounds like an, an absolute stud out of Northwestern. And um, I think they can play him at guard. They could play him at tackle. I think they just line him up at left tackle and let him start uh, there for the next 10 years in an ideal world. Yeah, the, I mean, I think there are some teams that think that Slater makes more sense than Sewell. I don't know if that's because Sewell opted out last year and that uncertainty is is knocking him down, that Slater is such an incredibly uh, technical lineman, almost no matter where you put him. I think it makes him pretty popular as well. Uh, all right, so we're on to the number nine pick here, uh, doing this mock draft uh, with uh, our friend Evan Silva from Establish the Run. I'm on the clock for the Denver Broncos. 
boy, you know what? Like we don't, it's not like, I don't think we hear a lot about the Broncos definitively going quarterback in the draft. I thought they were going to add somebody in free agency, uh, you know, sort of a, a veteran to maybe push Drew Locke a bit, but they haven't done that, which leads me to think that I guess you could argue and say, well, that's a sign of, of, of confidence in Drew Locke, and that's totally reasonable. But if you're telling me Trey Lance is still on the board, I think either A, Denver takes him for themselves, or B, this is where some team makes a move to trade up to, 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 to get him. Um, uh, you know, if you're a team like Washington, you can't trade with 10, 11, and 12 because those are all teams in your division. If you're New England at 15, nine isn't that far away. You can make an aggressive move here and not like feel like you're having to you know give up a ton. But since we're not doing trades, I'm going to say uh, Trey Lance goes off the board here. It's either to Denver or to somebody. So with the ninth pick, uh, the Denver Broncos are going to take Trey Lance quarterback, North Dakota State. Yeah, I mean, I think that's an absolute steal. You look at their roster, man. I, I think the Broncos have a chance to, to take a big leap if they can somehow solve the quarterback position. They've got a lot of firepower uh, at the at the skill positions. Their offensive line took a big step last year. I think their defense can be a lot better. Vic Fangio can coach them up on defense, you know, with, with any of them. They can get this quarterback position settled. I think they are like a sleeper to win 10 games. Um at number 10 overall, Cowboys. Cowboys return an offense that should be able to compete for the league lead in points scored, uh, but their defense was absolute trash last year, and they've done very, very little to upgrade it aside from just firing Mike Nolan and you know hiring Dan Quinn. I mean, they're going to need some talent. So let's get uh, Patrick Sertan, uh, the second out of Alabama, uh, to give them a, a, an injection of talent at the cornerback position. I, I like that. Uh, you like that. You like Dan Quinn. You think he's an interesting enough hire to, to make a move for Dallas, even if, like you said, they, don't, they haven't done a ton so far? No, no. <laughs> fair, fair enough. All right. So we stay in the NFC East for pick 11. The New York Giants are on the clock. I, you know, thunder behind me just scared the crap out of me. Uh, I, I was kind of eyeing an offensive lineman here. They took Andrew Thomas last year as their left tackle, but they could still see some more inside. Thomas has had a rough rookie year. Nate Solder may not be lasting beyond this season. So if you told me Slater or Sewell was still here, I think I'd go that way. They are not still here. There are still some other offensive linemen, but Jalen Waddle is also still here. And I don't really, logically, the Giants should not take a receiver. They just gave Kenny Galladay huge money. They have some other receivers there. I, I, I can't sit here and say this makes a ton of sense. I, ideally, I would tell them, say, they're going to take a, 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 a pass rusher as well. But I don't know. I don't, I don't get the feeling that a pass rusher makes sense. It feels like a bit of a reach. So since we're not doing trades, and I'm just going to go for the value here, ugh, I'm going to go with Jalen Waddell from Alabama. Again, I don't feel particularly great about this because I don't like overweighting receiver, and it's going to be definitely that. But look, if you have Galladay and Waddle, I think going forward, I think that's a pretty scary dynamic and Daniel Jones can't complain about health. So give me Jalen Waddle, wide receiver from Alabama, and we'll see if Evan throws his challenge flag now. Oh, and I like all the, all the Philly fans are so pissed that, you know, how we traded out of the number six spot and traded out of Kyle Pitts and Jamar Chase. And now he gets sniped by the division rival Giants uh, for Jalen Waddle. So uh, how we how he succumbs to uh, fan pressure and 
he takes uh, another Alabama wide receiver, Devontae Smith, at number 12 overall. Um, Devontae Smith, one of the best route runners in the um, – uh, in, in uh, coming out this year, you know, he has like he Howie, Howie Roseman is like an analytical guy. And so Devontae Smith is going to sort of break some of his models when he's doing his his prospect profiles at wide receiver because Devontae Smith is six foot 170. And the his, history of wide receivers that look like that is very, very limited in terms of NFL success. But I mean, this dude won the Heisman Trophy. His production speaks for itself. You know, Marvin Harrison is a guy uh, that I, I think, you know, when I watch Devontae Smith play, I see a little bit of Marvin Harrison. Um, so I, I think that they, they take the plunge here, despite the height weight concerns. Uh, they just, they need more help at the, at the skill positions. The Marvin Harrison comparison, definitely a thing for sure. And I, I think that's a, an absolutely, um, strong call there. I mean, Devontae Smith is a fascinating uh, prospect. Obviously, the production was off the charts in college. He's super duper small, and you just don't see a, a, a players at his level, but Marvin Harrison's mentioned, and, you know, if you can play, you can play. He's shown that ability. The Eagles certainly could use a playmaker like that. All right, so we're up to the Chargers now at 13. I think I, I, can, go, I can go in sort of two directions here. I think you could say offensive line, you've got to protect Justin Herbert. I think that would be an easy call to make without question. I do think also, though, if you want to go sort of best available, there's an argument I think you could make that they do need a cornerback and J.C. Horn from South Carolina is on the board. And, you know, if we're just talking best player available, I think he may be more of a sure thing. There's no such thing as a sure thing per se in the draft, but he may be more of a sure thing than the offensive lineman here, especially if we're talking about a left tackle. So I'm kind of going against my own norm here on this one. And I'm going to go with JC Horn, the quarterback from, cornerback from South Carolina. Uh, there are two offensive linemen here that I like. I, I would easily take them. But like I said, I, just, I think there's offensive linemen you can get in around two. And I think the cornerback is a little dicier. So give me JC Horn, who's really impressed people and moved up, I think, to the uh, no worse than the second corner in this class. Yeah, it seems like J.C. Horn's stock has really been on the rise, too, uh, since his pro day, uh, deservedly so. Um, son of Joe Horn as well. Um, number 14 overall, the Vikings. The Vikings have a ton of picks in this draft, and they need them because the, the back end of their roster has sort of disintegrated as they've had to pay you know, a lot of guys a, a lot of money, beginning with uh, Captain Kirk, or uh, Kurt, uh, as they call him. <laughs> Uh, in, in the DMV. Bruce Allen um, reference. Nice. <laughs> right. But uh, the Vikings, you know, I think that they're a sleeper team to win the NFC North. Uh, I love their, their, the over on their win total at sports books at eight and a half. I think that they're not, they're not going to have any problem going nine and eight, you know, to, to get that over. And I think that they can do a lot better. I like them at, at plus 400 to win the NFC North. The Packers take a step back. Vikings to take a step forward, but in order to do so, because I think their defense is going to be a lot better. I mean, that, 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 that wasn't a Mike Zimmer defense that we saw last year. And they, they added a lot of talent um, in the secondary. Daniel Hunter should be back uh, uh, up front to help the pass rush. They, they've got an, an average to above average quarterback. They've got Justin Jefferson. They've got Adam Thielen. 
They've got Irv Smith ready to take a leap. What they need is a little bit more talent on the offensive line. And so I'm going to go with the best offensive lineman available. I believe that to be um, out of USC, Elijah Vera Tucker. Uh, he played guard as a sophomore. He played tackle as a junior last year. Um, so I think that he offers position versatility. And then they can align uh, Vera Tucker, who they're taking here at number 14, with Brian O'Neill, Ezra Cleveland, Drew Samia, Garrett Bradbury, all guys that they've drafted uh, recently, finally giving them a young, promising offensive line. Um, and I think that we and if, if this if this offensive line could come together, um, I think this team could take a really big leap from last year. I think offensive line makes a ton of sense for for the Vikings, for sure. Um, all right. With the 15th pick. So, you know, we're talking trades. I think the Patriots look, they were obviously super aggressive in free agency, which is why I think a lot of people think they could be aggressive in the draft, especially if there's a quarterback in play. Um, again, we're not doing trades and the top five quarterbacks are off the board. So based on this board, you know, should I have given the Giants Micah Parsons, the linebacker from Penn State instead of Waddle? Maybe. I mean, they spent a lot of money last year on Blake Martinez, right? Uh, so um, I could make the argument that they should still have added him. They definitely have an issue at outside linebacker of Ryan Anderson, who they just signed from it was with Washington last year, is even in the mix to start. But he's still on this board. I think from a talent standpoint, Micah Parsons is arguably a top five to seven player. There's some maturity questions that, 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 that I think could knock him down a bit. Um, again, New England, I don't even know what holes New England has right now uh, per se, other than like a long-term quarterback, but talent is talent. And I think what, what Micah Parsons can do on the field with his speed is for his ferocity. I, I think what Bill Belichick would love that. So with the 15th pick, um, I'm going to give the New England Patriots Micah Parsons linebacker out of Penn State. All right. I like it. Um, you know, off ball linebacker has sort of been a devalued position in the NFL, but it, it, he sounds like a dude who could, be, but there are some transcendent off, off ball linebackers who really make a difference. If you can play on all three downs, it sounds like he has the athleticism, the coverage ability to be able to do that. Um, so moving on to number 16, I had JC Horn in this spot, but he obviously already went off the board. So I'm going to go with Caleb Farley, the next best cornerback prospect. Now, Caleb Farley opted out of the 2020 season and uh, recently underwent back surgery, but he's fully expected to be ready for week one. And I think that, but I think that that causes him to fall. I think previously he might've competed with Patrick Sertan to be the first cornerback selected. Uh, now I think he's probably going to be the third cor cornerback selected behind Sertan and J.C. Horn. Um, but I think that he, you know, helps replace Patrick Peterson. I mean, the, the Cardinals right now, if the season began today, they would have Robert Alford, 32 years old, and Malcolm Butler, 31 years old, both kind of journeymen over 30 types as their starting perimeter cornerbacks. That's not a good situation uh, for any team. And so they need to uh, a talent injection, a youth injection at one of the most posi uh, important positions on the field. Uh, Caleb Farley, I think they, they, they're willing to accept the risk that comes along with the back injury because I think he might have been a top 10 pick before that. If you hadn't taken Vera Tucker earlier and he was still on the board, would you consider him instead of Farley because they could use also interior offensive line or do you? Would yeah, you yeah, yeah. 
I mean, I, I think their offensive line might be a little bit better uh, than people think. I love the addition of, of Rodney Hudson. Um, but yeah, absolutely. He would, he would have been a consideration uh, for Rock Tucker. I think that, you know, he's, he's going to be going, I think in this 13 to 13 to, to 17 range for sure. All right. So with the 17th pick, we've got the Las Vegas Raiders. Got to remind myself that's they're not Oakland anymore. Um, look, uh, the, the Raiders could absolutely use a right tackle and there are still a few tackles on the board, including Christian Darasot of Virginia tech, but you know, that defense was a mess last year. Um, you know, they, they, they've got some solid linebackers, but I don't think they have some, you know, they don't necessarily have an outstanding group and this defense could use some playmaking. I, I, you know, I've had some people tell me they think Jeremiah Owusu Karamoa from Notre Dame is arguably the best defensive player in the whole draft or at least he has the potential to be when it's all said and done. He's not the biggest guy in the world. He's not a traditional linebacker, but incredible speed. You can play him at linebacker. You can play him in the slot. You can even play him at safety. And I think that versatility is a lot to, to be intrigued by. So I'm, I'm wavering a little bit about taking a tackle, but the, considering the tackle depth is pretty good. Give me the defensive playmaker. So at 17 for the Raiders, I'm going to go Jeremiah Owusu-Karamoa out of Notre Dame. Following it up with another pass rusher, the Dolphins, actually they had better, they were able to generate pressure at like a top 10 clip last year, according to pro uh, sports info solutions. Um, but that's not because they had great individual pass rushers. It was because they had great secondary play and they blitzed a lot. Um, and if they can get more talent to be able to blitz less, I think their defense could be even better. Um because, I mean, think about what happens when you, you blitz. You're sending a guy that you'd usually be in coverage. And you know, if you don't have to send that guy and you can still generate pressure, I mean, your defense can, can absolutely uh, improve even off of what they did last year. And they were a rock-solid defense. So I'm going to go with Gregory Rousseau out of Miami, Florida, uh, sort of a local kid, and um, to, to help bolster a, a pass rush that, you know, again, manufactured a lot of pressure last year. Uh, but could use better individual pieces up front. Yeah, definitely agree on the position. The, the, how the defensive ends go in this draft will be pretty interesting. There's about four of them or so, four or five, that depending on who you talk to, obviously what team is looking for scheme-wise is a factor, and, and Rousseau is somewhere in that, in that mix. All right, so at 19, the Washington football team is up. Just to set the re- – I'm not going to go through every pick, but just to sort of state who's still on this board – uh, you have uh, uh, you've got on the offensive line. You've got Christian Darisaw from Virginia Tech, Tevin Jenkins from Oklahoma State. You've got linebackers like Jamin Davis from Kentucky, uh, uh, Zayvon Collins from Tulsa, Nick Bolton from Missouri. You got Trayvon Morig, safety out of TCU. There's still some receivers out here as well. Kadarius Tony, Rashad Bateman, cornerback. Uh, again, I'm not sorry, saying they would take one, but Greg Newsom from Northwestern is here. I'm going to put that all there. I'm going to put a pin in this for one second. I'm going to spring this on Evan because it's going to bother him. Uh, what I do to Evan typically is when I have guests on, I ask them some random questions to get to know them better. I won't go through the full list because we have things to do, but I'm going to ask you three quick questions that have nothing to do with this. So t- t- turn your, your mock draft brain off for half a second. All right. All right. For, first question, you have an insane amount of Twitter followers. I'm embarrassed to, to see my number of Twitter followers compared to yours, but not everybody follows you yet. Who is somebody who does not follow you on Twitter that you wish did? I mean, 
this seems so like self-serving, but um, yeah, it's, it's, I, I would say, uh, I mean, I don't know. I, 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 I really, I, I really like Andrew Brandt. Um, sure. And uh, I've been like trying to get him to follow me for, for years, but uh, he, he, he doesn't follow me, but I guess, I guess that, I guess he would be the guy. I, I think he's really smart. I think he's got a lot of insights, great insights. And, you know, he's, um, I don't know, he's like an intellectual dude and, you know, he's, uh, he's got a pretty impressive resume from when he was in the league and, you know, I, I really like to listen to him on the Ross Tucker podcast, and uh, I, I guess I guess it would be him. All right, I, I, I like it. It shows you you're, you've got that intellectual side along with your uh, with your X's and O's, but I guess it's intellectual also. Um, all right, who is your all time favorite athlete? Oh, Cal Ripken. Oh, interesting. That you, you, I think we've had like three or four Cal Ripkins on this, but most of those really? are people from here. So yeah. that makes more sense because well, I'm from there. You, I, I'm from there. I, Wait, is I that true? Born, do, I, do I not I, know I was, this? I, I think you probably just forgot it. Uh, oh. I was born in Fairfax and I lived there until I was like, I lived in Arlington until I was like 11. Oh, okay. Yeah. My dad still lives in Arlington. Okay. Well, yeah, I, I did forget that. Yeah. I had several people pick Cal Ripken for sure. Um, mine was Eddie Murray, but same, awesome. uh, same general awesome. range. All right. Last random question for Evan. I won't, I'll, I'll spare him the whole list uh based on a hobby or a habit what is a hall of fame that you personally would qualify for i i, I always remind know. people my answer is always that i qualify for the 7-eleven hall of fame based on how frequently <laughs> yeah. I, I, I i attend but you know i don't know it could be a karaoke hall of fame i mean look the mock draft hall no. of fame you're probably already there certainly <laughs> the fantasy football you will be so you can't pick that one i wish it would be like the baseball card hall of fame i have a ton of baseball cards but like so many um but uh, I don't think they're worth very much. It's all from the junk wax era. So <laughs> I, I, uh, I, I'm, I'm loaded with all the Jose Canseco and Danny Tartables as well. So uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Although, you know, man, I, you know, I got a lot like, I, I, I really got into it when it was like Jeter and A-Rod when they were, you know, when they were, when they were coming into the league. So I got to go back and look through them all. I just picked up like half of them. I went to my parents' house for Easter and, I picked up like half of them because I couldn't, I could only fit half of them in my car. Um, but I, I, I got to sit down and like, you know, spend a week and like just go through all of them and, and see if there's some valuable ones in there. Uh, all right. So uh, the baseball hall of card hall of fame, we'll, we'll go, we'll go with that one all right, for Evan. All right. Good job. You're, you're off the hot seat. We'll get you back to the mock draft mode here. Yeah. All right. So what we're back to Washington at 19, so I, in the ones I've been doing lately, I kind of keep having the top four offensive linemen off the board before we, before they pick. So I haven't had to worry about it too much the debate of offensive line or linebacker, which just based on needs of their top two, top two. I mean, Jamin Davis from Kentucky, I think has you know has been discussed out there, has moved up a bunch. Um, it, it is in terms of the the public conversation. Um, you know, you could make the case for for a guy like Zayvon Collins as well, but. Man, I, it just feels like Washington, if they're going to take the next step on the offense, they need a little more on the left side of the line. Uh, Christian Darrisaw, I've had people say they think he could be the, arguably the best offensive lineman in this draft, maybe the, at least the second best uh, pure tackle behind Penny Sewell. There's other there's others who have questions sort of about his uh, demeanor. But at the end of the day, I know Washington is interested to a degree at least. So I'll stay with sort of my mental board of Washington's needs and go with uh, Kristen Darrisaw, left tackle from Virginia Tech at the 19th pick. 
Solid pick. Solid pick there. Um, I'm going to go Bears at number 20. So the Bears were involved in the Kenny Galladay sweepstakes and, and whiffed. They also uh, got involved in well, they, they got involved in uh, the Russell Wilson sweepstakes and, and missed. I mean, they, the, the tale of the, the Bears offseason was just whiffing on all the guys that they wanted. Um, and now they're, they're trying to trade Anthony Miller. The owner, uh, George McCaskey's pissed at Anthony Miller because he got into one of these fights with uh, uh, Chauncey uh, Gardner-Johnson, uh, you know, the, the, the Saints um, uh, slot corner who just <clears> – <throat> you know, gets everybody to, he's like the, the new Cortland Finnegan. You remember Cortland Finnegan? He, sure. Yeah. Uh, just a guy that, you know, could, could, could get the receivers off their game. Uh, and Anthony Miller wound up like throwing a punch at him. And so the, the owner wants, wants Anthony Miller out of Chicago, even though Anthony Miller is like one of the bears few playmakers. So that would leave them with Allen Robinson, who they have not been able to sign long-term. And then uh, Darnell Mooney, who had a pretty decent rookie season for like a fifth round rookie receiver, but uh, you know, he's still like a fifth round second year player. So they needed more help. I'm going with Rashad Bateman out of Minnesota to bolster, uh, to give them some, some playmaking ability out, out wide. And Bateman is a guy that actually played over 60% of his snaps last year in the slot. Uh, in the year before that though, he had a much better season playing outside, but he's shown some position uh, versatility uh, and they need more talent at wide receiver. I love Bateman. I mean, it's interesting to see that he's been moving up, obviously, when he runs the sub 440 time at, the, at his pro day, which I don't even know what to make of any of these times. Everybody, I think you would run a 4-5-40 if, if we, we got you out there um, based on all these times. So, uh, but yeah, I think Bateman is super interesting. Great rat runner. Um, you know, it'll be it'll be interesting to see where the, where the next receivers start to go off the board. Because again, this is a deep class at receiver. And I think if teams have like a, it's this position or this position, I think the receivers are going to lose those battles because of just positional value. But Bateman is a very good player. You, you, the case you just made for the Bears taking one makes a ton of sense. All right, 21, I've got the Colts. You know, I think this is a team where perfect world people would love to say, where's the left tackle for them? And look, there are still some tackles here who have, say, first round grades, but, you know, not necessarily probably I would say the best players on the board, the Colts also could use, I mean, they could use a few things. If Bateman was still there, he might be somebody to consider as well. But edge rusher, you know, we've only had one of those guys go off the board so far. I think Jalen Phillips from Miami, uh, he's coming off a monster year. I, I think there's a case to be made that he's the one who's the best, um, at least the best upside maybe would be the way to say it. So I don't necessarily know that's the way the Colts would go in terms of upside, but since based on need and there's no more tackles, give me Jalen Phillips, defensive end Miami to the Colts at number 21. I think that's an awesome pick, but I guess I'm going to use my challenge flag here Ooh. and, uh, and uh, <laughs> go with uh, Liam Eichenberg out of, um, out of, uh, out of Notre Dame uh, to be the left tackle. I mean, you mentioned it, you know, they, it's, this is a plug and play situation. I understand that some people are sort of, I mean, he was, the, the anchor for the last three years at left tackle for one of the best offensive line in, in all of college football. And they have the ability to line him up next to his former college teammate in Quentin Nelson. Our, our offensive line guru, Brandon Thorne, has talked about how um, that's just going to make the, the transition on any left tackle so much easier being able to line him up next to big Q. Uh, and then that also 
uh, supports their Carson Wentz investment by solidifying that offensive line, which is really strong in, in all the other four positions, but has a gaping hole at left tackle. Uh, so I guess that's going to be my challenge flag. But I, you know, Jalen Phillips is a bad dude. And um, I, I, I'm, you know, I, I kind of hate to, to, to drill down on him. <laughs> no, no. I mean, look, I think Eichenberg has gotten um, some first round love for sure. And like I said, the, the positional need is, is a thing. So going off in the line would not be surprising. Um, Eichenberg at 21 maybe seems aggressive, but I totally get it. Um, I, we didn't discuss this because why I don't have a producer. I guess for the purposes of this, we'll say that Eichenberg is still available to pick, but it's duly noted Evan would, uh, in a, if Evan's got a sliding door scenario here, he would go with Eichenberg at 21 instead of Phillips. But I'll let you pick him or we, we can pick him later if need be. So you're on the back on the clock at 22 for the Titans. Okay, so uh, Titans, you know, the Titans are rebuilding their secondary. They cut Malcolm Butler, Dory Jackson, and Kenny Vaccaro, three starters in their secondary. And, you know, I, I don't know if any of those guys were individually truly bad players, but, I mean, there's a clear emphasis on changing the, you know, the individuals that are playing on the back end for Tennessee. Uh, so I'm going with Greg Newsom. Um, as they continue to, to change, uh, change out this secondary, uh, according to PFF, Greg Newsom allowed just 435 yards and one touchdown on 81 combined targets over the last two seasons. That five, that's 5.4 yards per attempt. He goes to his pro day. He measures in six foot 192. Excellent, you know, uh, build for a, a cornerback in the NFL. Runs 438, 40-inch vertical you know, was just, just an excellent player on an excellent Northwestern team uh, in, in that defense under Pat Fitzgerald. And I think that he's a guy that, that should be capable of jumping in and playing right away uh, for a Titans defense that needs a lot of, took a big step back last year and needs a lot of help, especially on the back end. Uh, that makes a lot of sense. I would love to use a challenge flag just to spite you for having done that to me, but I can't really, I can't really do that. Um, you know, you can make a case for a Kadarius Tony or somebody like that, but uh, I mean, Newsom makes a lot of sense and kind of, I, I think it kind of feels like this is where the cornerbacks, the top, there's the top four and he may be the last guy, but, um, and that's a bummer for the next team picking the New York Jets at 23, because I think they really need a cornerback. And I think they would love to see one of these guys there. Could they take Asante Samuel from Florida State? Maybe. Uh, there, uh, I've had people tell me from a talent perspective, he's as good as these guys. He's a top 25 talent, but he's five foot ten, and that's going to limit how teams are going to view him. Maybe some teams may only view him as a slot guy, and that's going to be too rich for them to take him that high. So we'll, we'll put him on the side. Uh, we, we've also, you know, the, the offensive linemen are, 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 are gone, at least the ones that I would consider here for, for them. So I'm a little bit torn what to do, but Jets could use a pass rush and, you know, I'm going to sort of go a little bit uh, out of uh, just thinking off the top of my head here. Give me Aziz Ojolari from Georgia. You know, I'm just looking at the pass rushers here. Feels like, oh, you know what? Hold on. Yeah, Jalen Phillips is still out there because I challenge flagged him. Well, hold on. I, I also forgot somebody else. Let me back up all oh, of that. All right. So what, what are, we, are we saying that Jalen Phillips is available in Eichenberg is definitely the 21 pick? Is that what I we're saying? I think so. Yeah. I mean, that's got to be the rule. I, I challenge flagged you, bro. 
All right. So if that's the rule, then I guess all right. If that's the rule, then we'll go with then we'll then, then all right. I'm changing it all up. Plus, I forgot somebody else is available. So scratch all that, but we'll stay with the pass rusher. So let me go Jalen Phillips uh, for the reason I just said. I, mean, I think the Jets could still use could still use that. And look, obviously, you know, it's going to be really interesting to see what they do in this post, um, you know, Sam Darnold world and, and, and how they're building this team up. But I think taking a, you know, quarterback pass rusher, when you're talking about building blocks for a team, that's, those are very high on the list. I don't think anybody's going to complain about it from a position standpoint. So give me Jalen Phillips from Miami. And they've got a bunch more picks too. Um, so they can, I mean, they, they, you know, they got a long way they, they, I think they have two twos and like, uh, maybe even two threes. I, they, they have a, a ton of premium picks and they have no sevens. Um, so they're all within the first six rounds. Um, I think they would love to come out of the, the first round with Zach Wilson and, and Jalen Phillips. That'd be an incredible first round for the long woe-be-gone Jets. Uh, the Steelers. Now the Steelers have just lost their offensive line. Once, once was one of the best in the league, you know, as recently as a couple of years ago. But over the last two offseasons, they've lost Ali Villanueva, longtime left tackle, center Marquise Pouncey, long, you know, longtime starter there, you know, multiple Pro Bowls, multiple All Pros, uh, Raymond Foster and Matt Filer, who they lost this offseason to the Chargers. They are just desperate for offensive line help, even to the extent that I think that they might reach to get one. As you mentioned, there's not premium offensive line help, help still available at number 24. And this guy might be a second round grade type. Uh, but Jalen Mayfield out of Michigan, I think they started him day one. At, he played right tackle at Michigan. I think they started him day one at left guard. Um, and they, they, I think they need to draft multiple offensive linemen. Uh, I, I'm, I'm reaching into my pocket. I'm debating. I'm, I'm, I'm waiting to hear from upstairs, <laughs> debating if I want to challenge this one. I don't know what's going to come ahead. Uh, I, all right, I'm gonna I'm gonna do it just to make sure I get my challenge flag in here. I'm gonna go with that. I don't know if Mayfield. I mean, look, uh, you know the the range on a lot of these guys is you know uh, late first, early second. So who knows for sure? And it just takes one team to say they they like somebody. But my sense is that there's another offensive lineman here who's gonna be higher on teams' boards than, than Mayfield. So we'll stay position on the we'll stay with the offensive line, but instead of Mayfield, I'm going to challenge flag this and put in Tevin Jenkins from Oklahoma State. Um, uh, you know, I, I, I just this is more of just like a value thing. It just my sense is he could go as early as 17 to the Raiders. And I just think that Mayfield is maybe more likely to slip into round two, but we'll see for sure on that one. So give me Tevin Jenkins. I just needed, if nothing else, get my challenge flag in there and use it so I don't go home with it because that would be that would be no fun if I implemented this rule. So right. Tevin Jenkins, 24 to the Steelers. All right. All right. That's fine. I don't feel, you know, too offended. Um, <laughs> Jaguars. I'm going to go with. Trevon Morig out well, of BYU. Wait, hold on, twenty-five is my pick now. I oh, just, oh, oh, that's right. All right, sorry. but go ahead, go ahead. we're on the same page because okay. that's who I was going to go with. I mean, oh, there's nice. still there's still a couple of uh, edge rushers here, but I just you know, and, and maybe you know, if it's the shit hits the fan situation, and I'm staring really at these edge rushers, maybe I have to change my mind. But Morig makes a lot of sense for me for TCU uh, for for the Jags. He's the best safety I, I think in this class, uh, and, and I think he's going to go. You know, he could go again, not, not to keep harping on the Raiders, but he could go as early as 17 there, I think. I think at 25, he makes a lot of sense. Um, so you got a quarterback for their offense, now a quarterback for the secondary. So, yeah, we'll go Morig, 25 to the Jaguars. 
Alrighty then, I like it when we agree, you know? <laughs> Absolutely. Right after you challenge flagged me, we, uh, we, we came back and we agreed. Uh, the Browns at sitting at number 26, you know, the Browns have one of the most solid rosters in the NFL. They really don't have like glaring holes anywhere, uh, but I do think that they could add just more talent generally on defense and in the secondary. And so I'm going to go with Asante Samuel Jr. here, playmaker. You know, he's got the uh, the lineage. His dad was a was a baller for the Patriots for the long time and for the Eagles. Uh, so I'm giving Asante Samuel Jr. to Cleveland. Uh, I, I like Samuel. Teams like Samuel. Uh, we'll see if they like him enough to take him in round one. But I think from a talent perspective, he's a good player. And I think, you know, he may get the Antoine Winfield bump, you know, the the lineage thing. We saw how that worked last year. Um, I, I think it could be a factor here as well. All right, 27, the Baltimore Ravens. Man, I, you know, we're gonna, I'm going to save them from themselves and not go wide receiver. <laughs> that just does not work for them. And if Bateman was still on the board, maybe I would think otherwise. Um, Kadarius Tony's here, but I don't know. I, I, I'm, I'm not feeling that matchup. But what I, what I do think, though, is they could use some more edge rushers. They, they lost, you know, the net result, they lost more than they got in free agency. And Quiddy Pay is still on the board out of Michigan. He easily could have be off the board to the Dolphins at 18. So I, I, I won't overthink this. We'll turn in the car for a pass rusher. Quiddy Pay, defensive end out of Michigan. All right. Yeah. See, I had Quiddy Pay a, a lot higher in my uh, in my mock. I might actually move him down before I publish it now. Um, but yeah, I think that you know when you look at his production, he didn't. I mean, he had like 11 career sacks. He's kind of like oddly built for a, 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 a like an edge rusher. He's like six one, two sixty two. Um, but I don't know. He's, he's interesting. He played inside and outside uh, in college, and you know especially position coaches really like that, that versatility in their defensive linemen at number 20, I'm going to go with Kadarius, Tony. Um, you look at the, the pass catcher core for new Orleans and it is really, it's falling apart. I mean, they got Michael Thomas and then a bunch of guys like Marquez Calloway and Deontay Harris and, you know, Traquan Smith. And, you know, they're, they're relying on Adam Troutman, I think to take a big year, big step forward here in year two at tight end. But I think that they can supplement that position group with a guy like Kadarius Tony here. Um, I, Elijah Moore was another guy that I considered. But um, either way, I, I think that they need pass catcher help really more than anything at this point. You know, they, I don't think they're going to get a, a, a quality quarterback prospect here. They might trade up for a quarterback. You know, that's something that's seem, seemingly rumored every year uh, that the Saints might do. But their roster is really strong, except for at the pass catcher in the quarterback position. And I think they take the best pass catcher uh, on the board here. And that would be Kandarius Tony, I think. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that can make uh, a lot of sense for sure. We've got four picks left here in this uh, mock draft first round. Just to just to go over some of the names still on the board. You've got Jamin Davis, inside linebacker out of Kentucky. He could make a lot of sense for the Packers. Uh, for, for what they are uh, kind of need on defense. You've got some some pass rushers, guy like Carlos Basham from Wake Forest, Joe Tryon from Washington. You've got offensive line and a guy like Alex Leatherwood from Alabama, the aforementioned Jalen Mayfield out of Michigan. But I'm going to say that, like, we haven't had one single defensive tackle go off the board yet. And, you know, the Packers, um, you know, it feels like a, a – establishing along the lines, I think makes a lot of sense for their mentality and what they need defensively. 
uh, to help stop the run. So, and also there's really, there's a, there's a reason there's not been any defensive tackles picked. There's not, it's not a deep class at all. And if you see one you can get that makes sense from a value perspective, I think this year you're going to take them. So for me with the 29th pick, the Packers will take Alabama defensive tackle, Christian Barmore. Solid pick. Uh, I'm moving on to the bills. The bills are another team with a really good roster. You know, these, these teams that are drafting at the end of the first round, obviously are going to have better rosters that are than the teams drafting in the middle or up high, but uh, the bills can go a lot of different ways because they don't have screaming needs. But I think if you were to identify one screaming need, it would be pass rush, which was sort of their, their defense, I think was a little bit disappointing. Their offense obviously was you know, incredible uh, in 2020, but their defense, I thought took a step back. They still have a lot of talent at linebacker. Um, they still have a lot of talent in the secondary, but they could use an infusion of pass rush. And so I'm going to go with Aziz Olajarwi out of Georgia. I'm sure I butchered that name, but um, he fits the biggest need. If you were to select a need on the Bills roster, this guy uh, fills that. Um, I, 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 I like it. Did you consider it all? We haven't had a single running back yet. How, I mean, were you considering one there? Because they, I, I, I'm not saying they desperately need it, but they don't really have an obvious stud there. Right. Um, if Olujari had not been there, I might have considered it. But uh, I think the Bills are are smart enough to know that they can get you know some decent running back town in round two or round three or shoot round five or in the undrafted free agency. Got it. All right. Fair, fair enough. I bet you know, your fantasy football world wants you to get a running back in here because they need to know who to pick next year. And obviously having somebody play with Josh Allen would be a, a lot of fun for sure. That that a running back pick there is the rookie of the year favorite uh, in fan or at least in fantasy world oh, yeah. <laughs> next year. Oh, yeah. um, all right. Down to the last two picks, the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, you know, I mean, part of me is looking at the board and thinking, boy, Jamin Davis is still here. I think he could easily have gone into the teens. He's still on this board. And, you know, I could, uh, the Chiefs defense could certainly use that. They could use uh, some of the remaining pass rushers. But, man, I think we all understand it's, you, it's all about offensive line protecting Patrick Mahomes. They re- are really doing their line, but most of their moves this offseason have come in the middle. Joe Thune, the big free agent signing, being the most obvious one. You know, I, I'm not saying a rookie uh, – left tackle is the ideal way to go but when you're looking at what the what's on the board what they need maybe it's a forcing it a little maybe you trade down but we're gonna not gonna force it we're gonna take it i i think sam cosme from texas is one of these one of like the two or three guys left who could be he's on that borderline first second uh you know it could go either way i'll just go with the chiefs need protecting patrick Mahomes. so give me sam cosme offensive tackle out of texas all right, solid pick. Ooh, the Bucks are another team. I mean, they're bringing back what all twenty-two starters from last year's Super Bowl team, so they could go. They could pretty much do whatever they wanted here. Um, let's go with your boy Jamin Davis out of Kentucky, though. Uh, Levante David is getting a little bit long in the tooth, um, and you know they they could use more depth at the linebacker position. Um, so I, you know, I, I, that, that's the, they really like uh, athletic linebackers too. And I think that he fits the bill there. Uh, let's go with your boy out of Kentucky. It's hard to, uh, it's hard to argue with, 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 with that pick. I'm just curious as a, as a football maven that you are, the fact that Tampa Bay and Buffalo were so good at re-signing and seemingly like all their key players. 
I, I wouldn't necessarily say that it makes either of them the favorite with Kansas City still, you know, with everything that they have. But what, what does that tell you about, to, to me, it says a lot about the organizations that they could bring back mm-hmm. everybody. And some of these guys took team-friendly deals. I really mm-hmm. think it's interesting that they were able to do that. I mean, Tampa Bay, I sort of get more. They won the Super Bowl and the allure of playing with Tom Brady is obvious. But I think with Buffalo as well, to me, it says a lot about where that organization is. What what, what did you think about those two, kind of just what those two teams were able to do in, in that regard? Yeah, I mean, they the Bills have placed an enormous um, uh, value on continuity, uh, really for the second straight year. I mean, I think that, you know, Greg Roman probably should have been a head coach. He probably should have gotten a head coaching job this past offseason. Just the Bills went very deep into the playoffs and, you know, all the interview process kind of put it, put him at a disadvantage there. Even Leslie Frazier, their defensive coordinator, I think you could make a good argument that he deserves a second shot at being a head coach. Um, so it's not just the personnel. It's not just the player personnel. It is also, it extends to the coaching staff. They're bringing back everybody um, on the offensive line. They're bringing back like their top seven offensive linemen. Like they have like legitimate depth on the offensive line, which is not something that a lot of teams can say. Um, yeah, they're in a really, really good place. They're, they're smart. Um, you know, they, they were willing to move on from John Brown uh, to, you know, save that 8 million by, by releasing him. They, they know he's a good player, but they're sort of getting out in front of, in front of it because he's also 31 years old and, you know, allowing that to, or you know, make, making that cap savings allowed them to use that to retain, again, their top seven offensive linemen, which is not something that you, that you often see a team being able to bring back so, like all their starters and their, their best depth pieces. Yeah. Uh, no, I, 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 I agree. It's really interesting for sure. Uh, Evan, great job with the draft. Um, not surprisingly, you know, look, I, I, I had to use the challenge flag since you, uh, you know, you, you threw the gauntlet down on me, so I had to use it, but I, 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 I thoroughly enjoyed that. Obviously everybody go subscribe to the athletic, but go subscribe to the establish the run as well for, uh, you know, draft coverage now, but obviously during the year with fantasy and, 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 uh, DFS and all that. I have to ask you, since I have you here, it'd be stupid if I didn't. Ryan Fitzpatrick, fantasy. What, how excited are you, I guess, with how does he fit into the quarterback world with this team, this offense? You got McLaurin, now you got Curtis Samuel. Are we, are we a big Ryan Fitzpatrick and Washington fan? I, I think he's going to have some good games. I mean, he's not going to be in, you know, in those like turbulent games he was in Tampa Bay when Tampa Bay didn't have a defense and, you know, they, they had to score like 35 a game and, you know, you had Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. I, I do like McLaurin and Samuel and Logan Thomas and what they've done to put that together. But I, I think that at the end of the day, they're, they're not going to ask what the Bucks asked of Ryan Fitzpatrick. And I think that that's a good thing because Ryan Fitzpatrick can get into situations where he throws the ball to the team, to the other team too often. Washington is still a defensive-based, I think, defensive-driven team. I think it was a good real-life real life, – it was about as good as, as Washington could do. Um, with what they were given. I mean, they just, you know, what do they have? The, the 19th pick, that's not really, that's kind of out of range for the top quarterbacks. And, uh, you know, they, they're, they're, there wasn't very, there weren't very many good free agent quarterbacks. I think that the, the best that they could, I think that that was the best case scenario for them. Um, he's, a, he's the short-term answer, but, uh, but I think he made a lot of success. And I think he's going to be, he's going to be willing to throw the ball to those playmakers. We're not going to have games where we have J.D. McKissick catching the, you know, 14 checkdowns from Alex Smith anymore. You know, we're going to have Ryan Fitzpatrick being willing to throw the ball downfield to these 
I mean, they have one of the fastest offenses in the NFL from Antonio Gibson to, to McLaurin to Curtis Samuel. These guys are all sub four, four guys. Yeah, it is definitely going to be a very looking different offense just because of the quarterback alone. Ryan Fitzpatrick is like the funhouse version of Alex Smith, and it's going to be fun to see him throw the ball down the field. Uh, go check out Evan's mock draft. By the time you hear this, it should be up on uh, Establish the Run. Uh, I'd say go follow Evan on Twitter. You're already doing that, but it's at Evan Silva. Anyway, go follow him twice. And uh, Evan, man, definitely appreciate it. Congrats on your baseball card Hall of Fame uh, nomination. We'll, we'll work on that for you. And uh, we'll talk soon. Awesome, man. Thanks, Ben. All right. Many thanks to Evan Silva for his time. And, of course, thanks to everybody who is listening to the Standard Groom Only podcast. Really appreciate that. Back more this week with more podcasts as we talk about the NFL draft, the Washington football team. And who knows what else could come up. Uh, plenty of things to talk about for sure. Everybody stay stay safe. Be good. And until next time. See ya.